going to take our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. In that last song, those words, a lot of them, well, the idea of the song came from Lamentations chapter number 3. And to think about Israel being destroyed and the lamenting that was going on, Jeremiah found great hope in the Lord and in his faithfulness. And we're grateful that you're here this morning. We're going to get right into the message. 1 Peter chapter number 3. Now, as we get into today's message, you know, there are a lot of verses that are pretty easy to understand. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's pretty simple, right? Or for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's easy to figure out, right? There are some verses that just like, that's easy to understand. Then there are other verses that are not so easy to understand. What you're going to see today is there is one verse that is easy to understand. And then there's going to be a verse that is not super easy to understand. And probably when you leave here today, you're not going to understand it completely yet. And that's not my goal. But one of the things I decided a long time ago, probably about three or four years ago, maybe not even that long ago, maybe two, I don't know, when you start getting older, time just all runs together, so who knows how long it's been. But I, a while back anyways, I started preaching. Instead, of, I used to be a, a real topical preacher is the way I used to preach. And there's nothing wrong with topical preaching at all. But a, a couple of years ago, somewhere in there, the Lord really impressed upon me to be more of an expositor when I preach. And so I go verse by verse, line upon line, upon line precept upon precept. And this is one of the things that I, so I felt the Lord wanted me to do this. And when the Lord wants me to do something, I always, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to do every verse. Because really, I would just skip verse 19 for you today. I would just not do verse 19. You say, why wouldn't you do verse 19? I don't want to confuse, I want you to get the, because sometimes people take one verse, and they'll make a whole doctrine out of something from one verse. I could pick up 20 different commentaries today on 1 Peter 3, verse number 19, and they will all be different. And a lot of people, you say a lot, you say, well, why? I go, I do every verse. But the gist of what I'm trying to say, you're going to see and you're going to get. So my goal is, as I mentioned, I don't take one verse and make a doctrine out of one verse. I also don't make it, you got to understand, there are some verses we're going to look at that could go with this one verse. But I don't make a doctrine out of it, and I don't find new doctrines out of verses either. I don't do those things. But I try as best I can to faithfully preach the Word of God and to teach it. Now, a couple thoughts on that. First of all, number one, I am not the source of all knowledge. I don't have it all figured out. So you might, we might go through this message, and when we get to point number two today, you might be like, well, I don't know if I agree with you. That's fine. In a couple years, I might not agree with myself right now, too. So don't, don't, it's okay. You don't have to agree with me. And that's, and that's the whole thing. God gives us some mind, and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And maybe something the Lord speaks to me about, he won't speak to you the same. And as long as we're not going off the deep end theologically, we'll be okay there, okay? And there's a lot more I could say there. But I am not the end all when it comes to Scripture knowledge. Neither is anyone in this room or anyone who's ever written a book. The only end all when it comes to Scripture knowledge is Jesus Christ. He's it. And so we're all growing. I could look back 12 years ago when I started pastoring, and there are several things. I'm glad I didn't record the first couple of years very much. 
Because I would go back and be like, why did I ever say that? I said something two weeks ago. I was like, why did I say that? And it just happens. That's part of it. But today, I want to give you a little background to remind you where we were last week. Because it's, remember a few minutes ago, I'm like, where's everybody at? And then everyone showed up. It filled up, and that's good. And so you all didn't realize the turkey dinner's at 4.30, not right after this service. I, I shouldn't have put a time on there. We would have had, we'd had people everywhere for a turkey dinner and things like that. That's at 4.30. We'll talk about that at the end of the service. We looked at last week how there's suffering and persecution that comes the way of Christians. We in America today have it too good. And I am grateful for it. But what makes us so much more special than any other Christians before us or after us that are going to suffer persecution? There is nothing. And there is going to come a day, mark my words, maybe, I would be fine if it waited until after my lifetime, but there's going to come a day, and I think sooner than later, where we're going to get persecuted for standing up for what's right. Did anybody see what Congress passed this last week? You know they passed something in the midst of, um, in the midst of elections and all that? They passed the Marriage Act. What is the Marriage Act? I'm gonna, now, this is, this is what Congress, Congress, the people there, some of them are straight evil and some are not, but they purposely do things a certain way. They know what they're doing. They're not, they're not dumb to things. So in the Marriage Act that they passed in Congress, it's going to go to the House I mean, to the Senate right after Thanksgiving, what it says in there is that they, that they see marriage and they define what marriage is. Now, what they do is, before they say a lot of things, they, want, they talk about interracial marriage. And, you know, there used to be a day and age in our country where if you married someone that wasn't of the same race, people looked down on that. And why they did that, I don't understand that. That's not right. To, be, to look at someone and to be prejudiced against them and to limit the interracial marrying and things like that, that should, that's, not God's, that's not on God's radar. That's man messing things up. And to look at any group of people or to, or to judge them differently than you do someone else or to say people can't marry each other based on color, that, there's something wrong with that. That's in that bill. That's a good part of that bill. Because they said, what if a state decides to go, I get that. But do you know, the rest of the bill says that just as interracial marriage and marriage between men and a woman is right, that marriage between same sex is recognized the same way. You see how they throw that in there. To me, it's an easy, th and over almost 100 Republicans voted for it too, just so you know, in the House. If that passes, what it's going to do is it will open up the door someday where if I'm preaching the truth of God's word, it could be labeled as hate speech. That's where this stuff starts coming in, and that's where it's going to begin, just so you know. But may I just remind you, I don't care what the House or what the Senate says. God's book is always right. And marriage is between a man and a woman. That's what the Bible says. That's God, and God's plan was one man, one woman for life. It doesn't always end up that way, but God's plan for marriage is one man and one woman. That's God's plan, and nothing else. And so if they are different races, God's not against that. Now you say, well, what about, now, in the Old Testament, God was setting up his people, and God didn't want certain things to creep in. And that's where I believe a Christian should marry a Christian. I see that side of it, because you, you can mess up your home bringing in all these different religions. There's a lot to be said there, so I get that. But when we start defining what the Bible already states, we need to leave that stuff alone. And I get that they want people to have 
freedom to do as they choose. And in America, I think in our liberties, I think that is there. So why don't you, instead of calling it marriage, give it a different name and leave marriage alone? Just a thought. But what I'm saying is, we're not that far from persecution coming. I mentioned to you last week that man that was a missionary in Iraq that was gunned down last week. Persecution is happening around our world today. It is. And Peter, in the day that he lived, Nero is basically running the world, a wicked, wicked man that hated Christianity. And Peter is writing to encourage Christians in that day to have the grace to do what's right through the midst of these things. And he talks about the fact, hey, don't be afraid and don't be anxious. Put, set apart Jesus Christ. Put him here and let him guide you. Let him be what you need so that when they persecute you, you're ready to give an answer of the hope that's in you. And have a clear conscience by doing what's right. Don't give them anything to speak evil of. And it might be God's will that we suffer. And then we get to verse number 18. Did you know this morning it was God's will for Jesus to suffer for us? It was. For, so if Jesus could do it for us, we're going to be okay. This was written to those early Christians. If you suffer, Jesus suffered. He conquered the grave. He brought victory. He's with the Father today. Everything's going to be okay. Verse 18, let's read there, and let's get into our text today. It says, 1 Peter 3, verse 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Some people get water baptism and salvation from that passage, and we'll talk about that in a little bit too. The like figure, whereunto even baptism, doth also now save us, not the putting away of the flesh, the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Father, I pray you bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. We need you. We love you. Bless this time. Guide our thoughts. And I pray that by the time the message is done, that people would not be more confused, but that they would understand the gist of the message and look at all you've done and how to live in light of that. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My prayer this week for this message has been, Brian, don't complicate it. Don't complicate it. That's been my prayer. And so you say, do you talk to yourself like that? I do. I say Brian often. I look in the mirror, Brian, be good today. Don't, you know, let the Lord lead you. Don't, don't you do anything you shouldn't do. And then Brian still does bad things. But anyways, as we dive into the message today, we see this passage before us and what Jesus has done for us. So in light of seeing that persecution things might be part of God's plan for us, we see what Jesus did for us. Number one, as we dive into our notes, we see that Jesus died for our sins. Now his death was not any ordinary death. Look at verse 18 again. It says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. As we see that Jesus died for our sins, letter A, we see the fact that his death was unique. There is, and this, there have been a lot of people that have died, right, through time? 
That's one of the things that we realize. Everyone at some point, there is an expiration date for us. We don't know when that is, when that time will come. In all, in all reality, God is the author of life, and he should be the taker of life when he's ready. But when we look at all the deaths that have taken place, and we could even look, let's think about sin. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? God got them animal skins to put on. There was a blood sacrifice made. There was the death of an animal so that they could have those skins. We think about the lambs and the, all the different animals that have been sacrificed year after year and at the different sacrifices. They just pass sin over till the next time. But when we look at Jesus Christ, we see that his death was unique. The Bible tells us here, for Christ also has suffered once, hath once suffered for sins. Would you see that right there? One time. That's why you come into our church. There are some churches out there, they have Jesus still hanging on the cross. He's not on the cross today. We don't come together and his blood be shed anew for us when we get together. No, he's not on the cross. He's down from the cross. He's up in heaven with the Father today. He died once for all. His death one time took care of all of our sin. And that's what's so unique about it. Lots of people have died for their faith or died for a cause or died for this or that. But Jesus' death conquered sin in his death once for all. That's why this morning there are many out there that think they have to do things to get to heaven. No, he died once to take care of your sin. There are many that think that there's lots of different things. That have to, no, he died once. Thank God that he died for us. But his death, when we think about what Jesus did, his death was unique. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 7, 27, who needed not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Jesus, there's no need. Hey, someday, leading up to the end, the Jews are going to start their sacrifices again in the temple. You know why there's no need for a temple today and there was no need for a temple after Jesus died? Because there's no need for another sacrifice because Jesus did it once for all. So when we look at Jesus and what he did, his death, we see, first of all, it was unique, unlike any other death that's ever taken place. Number two, or letter B, his death was sacrificial. His death was sacrificial. It says here, it says, for Christ hath also once suffered for sin. Hey, that's our sin. He had no sin in him. He sacrificed for us. He became sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He died for our sins. He didn't die for his own sins. He never sinned. Hey, even the high priest, as we read a minute ago, he had to give an offering for his sin. Jesus didn't have to give an offering for his sin. He gave an offering for our sin. He sacrificed for us. Let her see his death was substitutionary. You see what it says there? It says, the just for the unjust. Look back at that passage. It says, for Christ also suffered, or hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust. As we look there and we see that, he became our substitution. He took our place. You see, the Bible tells us that sin has a cost. The cost of sin is death. You look at it, whatever we do in this life, there are consequences to the actions that we take, right? If you decide to drive really fast down the road, you might get pulled over. And then it just depends on what your consequences are for that. We all have sinned. 
We've all come short of God's glory. We all deserve death. Jesus died so that we could live. He took our place. And what salvation is, it's depending on him and his death so that I don't have to die for myself. His death was substitutionary. Letter D, his death was reconciling. Look at what it says there. It says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. You see, in the garden, Adam and God got together often in the cool of the day. They had fellowship together. The day that Adam and Eve sinned, that fellowship between God was broken. Not by God, by man. And there was, a, there was separation between God and man, and it was sin. And Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, so that that wall of separation, that sin that separated me from God, could be moved out of the way. And through my mediator, Jesus Christ, I could now have access to God again. His death brought me life. His death brought me to the Lord. His death made it so I can come before the throne of grace and boldly bring my request before the throne room of God. That word bring there has many different meanings, but one of the meanings of that word has the idea of bringing someone into the presence of the king. You think about this today. You, let's say the president was around. You couldn't just walk up to the president and just see him. There's security guards there's detectors, there's all these things. There's lots of things you'd have to do to get there. If you want to go see the king in England or whatever, you're gonna, that's going to be quite hard to do. You can't just get to God on your own. His son died and paid the price and made it possible for us to get to the king. He brought us in. Jesus has done so much for us. That's why when we sing a song, what he's done, all the glory and the honor belongs to Jesus Christ. That's why we've got nothing to boast and nothing to proclaim. We look to Jesus Christ and what he's done, and everything we have today is because of what he's done for us. And that's why we need to remember that, because we tend to forget. Psalm 103 is one of my favorite psalms to look at during Thanksgiving time. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. It says, David's looking, it's like David's talking, Hey, David, don't forget all that God's done. You know how I talked about it. David was doing the same thing, really, in that psalm. Because we tend to forget. We see what the Lord has done. As we look at this, we see that Jesus died for our sins. Number two this morning, we see that Jesus declared his victory over the cross. Jesus declared his victory over the cross. Now, as I mentioned here, I'm going to give you some opinions here of mine. And I'm going to give you some verses to look at. I am not the end all on things. And if your opinion differs from mine, good, great, wonderful. It's okay. And if you feel you need to tell me your opinion, find me later on and you can tell me your And that's fine. I am always open. I have people often that will say, hey, pastor, after I preach the message or something, and sometimes... There are people, I love it when I, get, I got a few older folks in here. I had someone a few weeks ago, um, Gary and Johnette do, uh, Johnette does a ladies' Bible study. And I've heard a little bit, of, there's, there's, got, there's some pretty good stuff out, 2 Corinthians there. So I was telling, or 1 Corinthians, whatever book it is, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it's Corinthians, anyways. And um, 
So I told, I was teasing Gary one day, and I'm like, because it's a bunch of old notes he has. I said, if you want to take any of your notes and just stick them in my office, copy them, use the copier, I'll take them. Like, you would read my notes? Yeah, why not? I read lots of different things. I like that. So I got someone in the room here that sent me some notes. And I like it better when they're Word documents. That's even easier for me to go through and read. And I could just change the title at the top and put my name and preach it. But if that person's sitting in the room, I had to put that sermon away and wait to do a different one. But... I like it because I, I love getting different thoughts on there. As I love seeing, there are some people that are better, more teacher. I'm more preacher than teacher. But as a preacher, you need to be able to teach and preach. But sometimes it's nice to see some notes from someone who's a teacher. And see, oh, I get that. I like it. But anyways, that's all I could say there. So when we go through this here, you'll be okay, all right? The other thing is, some of you, you dwell too much on little things like this. This is not going to change or make or break your salvation, okay? Why don't you worry about telling someone about Jesus? Or how about you read the Bible and go to church and do what God's called you to do and not worry about these passages so much? That's what I would do. Major on the majors and let the minors be the minors, okay? Number two, we see that Jesus declared his victory over the cross. Look at verse number um, 19 and 20. It says, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Do you know, Catholics like to use this passage to talk about purgatory, because he went and preached to them in purgatory. That's a doctrine they get from this passage, and they use that from here. This is not talking about purgatory here, just so you know, okay? And as I said, you could get multiple different commentaries and get multiple different thoughts. And if you have different thoughts than what I have, that is totally fine. And if you want to talk about those sometime, that's totally fine. When we look at this, it's just interesting to me. We see that, look at the end of verse 18. It says, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went. When Jesus died on the cross, and when he cried out, it's finished, he died. His spirit's still alive. He's alive, right? During those days, he went somewhere and did some things during that time. He was at work during that time. And, you know, I have people, was he in hell? Was he here? Was he there? I wasn't with him, so I can't tell you exactly where he went. You can ask him when you get to heaven where exactly he was. But I'm going to give you some thoughts about this. So when we look at this and we think about this letter A— where did Christ go? Now, I've given, I've given some thoughts on this stuff before, and if you've been in other services where I've talked about this stuff, I want to give you, Joe, I'm going to have you actually, let's see. Let's see if I want to go to that passage now. Now, if we were, I'm just going to give you some thoughts from that passage. We think about Jesus, and, the par and it's not a parable, it's an actual story, because he gives a name there, Lazarus and the rich man. If, if Jesus gives a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, there's never a name associated. Lazarus was an actual person. That's the difference in those things. Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus, when he died, goes to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man, when he dies, he goes to hell. And the Bible says that there was a great gulf fixed between the two of them. Now, I've given other verses in the past, and if you want to go back and listen, or you can get the other thoughts from me, I 
believe, according to what the Bible says, that probably, that hell is probably located down towards the center of the earth. One passage that helps with that, Ephesians 4, verse number 8 and 9, Wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? So if we were to look at the rich man and Lazarus, and we look at that passage, there's a gulf fixed between the two. And I don't see how Lazarus could see from Abraham's bosom that he could see into hell but the rich man from hell could see into Abraham's bosom. The Bible's clear about that. Now this is, let me give you some thoughts here, and then I'll give you a few other thoughts and we'll move out of this here. So, we look, to, we look back to the cross today for salvation. And that's, and I want you to understand, before Christ died on the cross, salvation wasn't different. They couldn't keep the law and be saved. They looked for a coming Messiah. There are those out there that say salvation was different pre-cross, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and God does not change. So I sincerely believe that the way you got get saved today is the same way you got saved before. They looked forward to the cross. We look back to the cross. And so, but what happened before Jesus died on the cross, those that died in Christ went to Abraham's bosom. That was their, where their spirit went. The body goes down into the grave, the body's in the grave, and the spirit and soul go to Abraham's bosom. Those that die without Christ go to hell. And hell, and that's where they go, without Christ. Body into the grave, but the soul goes to hell. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, when he was done, he went down and set those in Abraham's bosom free to be with him. And in all reality, there are some, you read in Matthew, that were actually raised from the dead at that time, too. The saints that were raised from the dead. The Bible does say that. So there's a lot there. And then they were with him in heaven. Now, were they in purgatory? No, they were not. Abraham's bosom was a good place to be. And the rich man wanted to be in Abraham's bosom. But when Jesus died, he brought them out of there. Those in hell that die without Christ are still in hell to this day. And anyone who dies without Christ goes to hell. And then at the end of the tribulation and after the millennial reign at the, at the great white throne judgment, it says death and hell are cast into a lake of fire and they're brought up and they're judged at the final judgment. Hell is not the final place for those without Christ. The eternal lake of fire is the final place. Hell is where they are for now. Now, when we, so where did Jesus go? So when people say, Jesus went to hell, there are people that say that. And you would have passages, I know there's a passage where David and Peter talks about in Acts chapter number 2, and he says, if I, if he won't leave my soul in hell. Now, in, I'm not trying to get anybody mad about translations and words. That's not a great word. Hell is not a great word to use right there. It's really grave, is what it is. It's not hell as in where you go when you, after you've died without Christ. It's talking about the grave. And so it's just a difference in the word there. That should be, it should be worded a little different. And, you, and I'm not going to say things should, because I'm not, I would never translate a Bible, okay? Never would I get near to touch or do anything like that. But I can look at little words. I did fail Greek a couple times in Bible 
Bible college, and I passed it a few times, and I worked on Hebrew too, and yeah. Whew, it gives me a headache even thinking about that. So where did Christ go? He went down after he died. Now, letter B, what did, to whom did Christ go? Well, he set those free, but he also, look at what the Bible says here. The Bible says, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now, there are those that would say he went down and preached to those that were, that were alive before the cross, and he gave them one more opportunity to get saved. That's a false statement there. Because it's appointed unto man once to die, then judgment. And the Bible also says that Jesus has the power to forgive sins on earth. Once you die, it's too late. You cannot pray someone to heaven. Nothing can change once someone dies. That's it. So he didn't go to preach to them the gospel so they could be saved. There's lots of other thoughts that go into this. But if you notice, when Peter, in Peter's writings, when he uses the word spirit, a lot of times he's referring to angels. And so what I believe, I'm giving you what I believe, just because we're going through this, and you can look at other things, you can have your thoughts. The Bible tells us in Genesis 6, verse 1 through 8, it came to pass when man began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, Yet his day shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became men, mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And look at this. Every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Think about you think the world's bad today? I think it's bad. How many of you think the world's bad today? I don't think it's as bad as what it was in Genesis 6. There was no good anywhere. Every, now, if, I, if a Baptist preacher got up and said everything, you'd be like, oh boy, here he goes. Everybody, not everybody is that way. This is the Bible. So the Bible's true. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And repent the Lord, they made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man who I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and fowl of the air. For repent of me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There was a group of fallen angels during this time that did some really, really bad things. So bad that the Lord took them and chained them in hell. Now, you say, well, what proof do you have of that? Why didn't he take all of them? I can't answer that. Because there are, there, do you realize there are demonic forces at work today? There are. We, the battle we face is not flesh and blood today. It's spiritual in nature. And like, okay, we talk about the house and sun. We talk about Washington, D.C. or California these different places, I sincerely believe there's a lot of demonic powers that work in high places all around the world. There's a lot more I could say about that, but I'm not going to this morning. So the Bible tells us in 2 Peter, chapter number 2, verse 4 and 5, for if God spared not the angels that sin, 
but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved in the judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the earth of the ungodly. So we see that during Noah's time, there were some angels that were chained in hell. The Bible talks about this in Jude, verse number 6 and 7. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, hath he reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So there are some demons that were so bad that the Lord chained them in hell. Now, I want you to look at, during the tribulation time, one last thought, and we'll carry on. Revelation chapter number 9. You've got to turn there, though, to look at this. Some of you are like, I didn't know any of this, and I... It's, it, you're going to be okay, all right? I would hope that you go to a church where the pastor knows the Bible better than most of you in this room. Now, there are some of you that know it better than me. I get that. But you should go, if a pastor does not know the Word of God and how to study the Word of God, I would never go to a church where that's that, that way. I don't care how nice the people are or how friendly the pastor is. If he doesn't know the Word of God, I wouldn't go. Anyway, so, Revelation chapter number 9 says, And the fifth angel sounded, and this during the tribulation time, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth hath power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree. See, the Lord went, some of those guys go green too. You see that there? And so, but only those men that have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. In those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shape of the locusts were like horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as the crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates as the breastplates of iron, and the sounds of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses. You can make quite a horror movie off of these guys right here. It says, And they had tails like unto scorpions, and they were... And there were stingers in their tails, and they, their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue his name is Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. Literal locusts are not let out of hell. It is probably those angels that have been kept there. They are going to torment people. And it's a, you got, it's a metaphor, this, the locusts and all that. But they are going to be released and they're going to torment those that are alive that don't have the seal of God in their, you know, that are not saved. And so 
when we look and it says that Jesus preached to the spirits in prison, I believe those that are chained down in hell, the spirits there is who he preached to. Which leads us to letter C. What does Christ proclaim to them? Well, you know, people say that he's proclaiming salvation down there. You can't get saved once you die. That can't happen. So what, what was he preaching? What did he say to them? And when we look at all of that and, you know, opinions, I think Christ preached victory. Satan wants, at his very best, Satan hates the things of God, and Satan wants to destroy the work of God. And these demons were so bad, so bad that he cha- They were worse than the ones that we have running around today. And the ones we have running around today are no good. Far from it. But these were so bad and had done such despicable things, God said, you're done, and he put them in hell. Bound up. I think Jesus proclaimed, I died, I rose again, sin has been defeated, you have no more power, there's victory in me. And he took those people out with him that were in Abraham's bosom. You say, I don't agree with that. That's fine. You can figure that out and tell me later on about that. But I do not believe that he preached salvation to those down there. I believe he preached to them. He just told them like it was. Like I said, if you don't agree, totally fine. I don't agree with myself often either. He gave his victory there as way he did. But as we look at that, why? what's the importance of this? Why do we need to know about Christ preaching to the spirits in prison when we're talking about suffering and persecution? Well, I think the end of it's all tied together in verse 22. Go back to our text. It says, Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Hey, early church, Peter's saying, hey, Jesus died, he rose again, he took your place, he died for you. Not only did he die for you, he went and he preached to those down in prison. And may I just remind you, early church, that Jesus is in control today. He has all power. He's got everything. Hey, you don't need to fear Nero because Nero's subject to him. Isn't that what it says? Hey, there, you don't need to fear death because Christ has conquered death. You don't have to fear what's coming your way because Jesus Christ took care of it all. So don't get so caught up on the middle there. Catch up on the end there. Number three, and lastly, we see, and I jumped, I gave you the very end without going to number three. My bad. I do that sometimes. Number three, we see that Jesus delivers us from judgment. Now, we look at verse 20 and 21. Let's go back there, and then I'll reiterate what I just said there a second ago. I gave you the, the conclusion there without giving you point number three. Look at verse 20. It says, Which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Do you see how the Lord was even long-suffering then? How long did it take to build the ark? Longer than anyone's been alive in this room. And some of you have been alive a long time. Longer than you've been alive it took to build that ark. Why? You say, why did it take so long? Well, first of all, I don't think they had the power tools we got today. 
Thank God for power tools. The other day, I was doing something, all I had was a screwdriver, and I'm like, oh, if I just had my drill with me, I'd get this done so much quicker. Thank God for drills and batteries when they're charged. Charge your batteries. That does you good. My problem is most of my batteries are dead when I need them. That's the way I always do it, but oh well. But they didn't have the power tools or those things. But I also think it took a long time because, and the Bible tells us that Noah preached righteousness, right? I think the Lord was willing for anyone that wanted to get on the boat to get on the boat. So why hasn't the Lord returned yet? Oh, Peter says it later on. He's long-suffering. But someday that long-suffering, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stop. He's going to come. But as we look here, what saved Noah and his family? The ark did. Right? And that water took the life of everyone but who was on the ark. And so at the end of the day, and as we look at the water and we look at the ark, we see in all reality Noah was saved because of the ark. Right? And he was saved by water. The water had to be up for the ark to save them, right? The water played an important part in that. The water's what flooded the earth. Now look at verse 21 right there. The like figure. So it's not saying that water saves us. The like figure. Whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Now look at what it says. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. There is no works involved to being saved. You see that again right there? You cannot be baptized to be saved. But look at what it says. We're just about done here. But the answer of a good conscience towards God. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So how are we saved? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How was Noah saved? By water and the ark. We are saved by Jesus Christ and what he did. There's nothing about water baptism saving you here. It's about Jesus Christ saving us. And we see at the end, verse 22, who is gone into heaven. That's where Jesus is. He's at the right hand of God. Not on the left for any of you lefties in the room. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Hey, those in the early church that feared Nero, I would have feared him. Just being honest with you, I definitely would have. I wouldn't want to be hung in his garden. I wouldn't want to be fed to lions or to animals. I wouldn't want to live that life. I would have feared him. Peter's reminding them, Jesus died for you once. He got, there's victory in him. And all the demons of hell, all the most powerful people in the world, anyone, anywhere, is subject to Christ. Rest in that. Put the Lord Jesus, sanctify him, and put him in your heart. Leave him there. He will get you through whatever comes your way. So if you want to get stuck on who those spirits are, you go ahead. But you're missing the whole thought here. The whole thought is Jesus paid the price. He brought victory. And the spirits, they're subject to him. The most powerful people in the world, they're subject to him. He is all-powerful. And no one, think about this, he answers to no one. We all, I know some people think someone just the other day turned 18. I'm an adult, I'm free. No, you're not. You still answer to people your whole life. You're always under somebody your entire life. That's the way it goes. We're always, that's just the way it is. There's no one, there's no one above God. No one. No one tells him how it needs to be. He's God. And we can rest assured of those things. 
So what does it mean for us? Because Jesus fully experienced death, you don't need to fear death today. Because Jesus completely paid the penalty for sin, the work of salvation is complete. And because Christ completely defeated Satan, Satan is a defeated enemy today. Let me I just add this at the end here. So many Christians walk around defeated. If you are a child of God, you are not defeated. You're on the winning side. You're going to be okay. We live our lives, though. I'm defeated. Oh, this has me down. Quit being down. You have Jesus Christ. You have everything you need. Satan goes around running amok in this world, and he's acting like he's victorious, and he loses. He knows he loses. And we walk around like we've lost it. And some of us have lost it, but that's not what I'm talking about. We walk around like we've lost and maybe this round hasn't gone how we wanted it to go. The round's not over. The game's not finished. USC was down 14-0 yesterday in the first quarter, but they won by the end. And you might feel down in life, but in the end, he wins. You're on the right side. You're going to be okay. Quit living the defeated life. Live a victorious Christian life in Jesus Christ. Father, thank